Hi, friends. Welcome back to Have You Met Her, a podcast about amazing women. I'm Paige, and I'm digging into the lives of lesser-known women in history and sharing some of their stories with you. For the month of July, we've been talking about women who had a passion for our Earth and the creatures in it and worked tirelessly to leave our world better than they found it. Don't forget to stay until the end of this week's episode where I will announce our giveaway winner. This week, I wanted to tell you about a woman who was kind of an accidental conservationist. A woman who set her sights on an adventure and then received a ton of unexpected publicity as a result. After telling her children that she was going on a walk She accomplished a task that was truly remarkable, and then she did it again, and again. Content warning, this episode will discuss domestic violence, so please take care of yourself. Strap on your comfiest pair of walking shoes and join me for episode 22, Have You Met Emma Grandma Gatewood? The Associated Press picked up the scent of the story from a small local newspaper, Virginia's Roanoke Times. A 67-year-old grandma was hiking the 2,190-mile Appalachian Trail. She was not an experienced hiker, and she was doing it alone. Maybe most surprising of all, it appeared she was outpacing some of the younger hikers on the trail. A full profile on her walk was published by the time that she reached Maryland. And by the time that she had reached Connecticut, there was an article about her journey in Sports Illustrated magazine. All of this coverage helped spread the word over the entire country. People were invested in Grandma Gatewood and would track her progress pulling for her to complete the trail. Her own children learned about their mother's adventures from the media. There were doubters, sure. This was, after all, a mean trail with terrible blowdowns and burnt over areas, gravel and sand washouts, weeds and brush up to your neck, and the shelters on the trail were in terrible condition. But those doubters didn't know Emma. Most of the time, Emma preferred to sleep outside. Emma had started her hike on May 3, 1955, and completed her hike 146 days later on September 25th. When she reached the top of Baxter Peak at Mount Katydon, she signed the register and sang the first verse of the song, America the Beautiful. And then, in triumph, she said out loud to herself and the mountain around her, I did it. I said I'd do it, and I've done it. And she had done it, by herself the first woman to hike the Appalachian Trail solo in one season. She had also accomplished this feat with very minimal supplies. A shower curtain to keep the rain off, a pair of men's Converse sneakers, a small notebook, and a homemade denim bag with a few extra items of clothing, a canteen, a cup, a first aid kit, and a Swiss Army knife, a piece of rope, and some food, mostly cans of her favorite. Vienna sausages. By the time that she had finished her walk, 
She was a certified celebrity. Everyone wanted to hear from her and about this happy-go-lucky adventurous grandma. When she was asked why she wanted to hike the Appalachian Trail, Emma said, because I wanted to. And the Appalachian Trail received a great deal of publicity and a huge influx of visitors. Even with all the media exposure surrounding her, the real complete story of Emma Gatewood wasn't reported on until 2014 when Ben Montgomery published his book, Grandma Gatewood's Walk. He was Emma's great-great-grandnephew and a journalist who was working for the Tampa Bay Times. With his family's permission, Emma's children shared with him journals and letters that revealed exactly how strong Emma truly was and what she had survived prior to her walk. Emma was born on October 25, 1887, on a rural farm in Gallia County, Ohio. Her father, Hugh Caldwell, was a Civil War veteran who had lost his leg after being wounded. He struggled to do the hard labor of running a farm, partly due to his amputation, but also due to his heavy drinking and gambling addiction. He relied mostly on his 15 children to perform this strenuous manual labor that their farm required, starting when the children were very young. The large family lived in a small log cabin, and the children, all 15, shared four beds. Emma's mother, Evelyn, did her best to raise her children with strength and perseverance. Emma attended school through the eighth grade, but even after her formal education ended, she still loved to read. She would pore over encyclopedias and loved the Greek classics. She loved spending time outdoors and taught herself about wildlife and the plants that were edible and which could be used medicinally. Emma privately wrote poems. Being at her parents' home was hard. There was so much physical labor to do and so many eggshells to avoid around her abusive, violent father. When Emma turned 19, she accepted a marriage proposal from Perry Clayton, excited to get out and start her own family. Perry was eight years older than Emma, 27 when they got married, and he had a college education. He had worked as a primary school teacher and was changing careers to become a tobacco farmer. This, he thought, would provide a much better income. Perry was known in the community as a smart, hardworking man. Emma was hopeful for a great future. The newlywed couple moved to a small West Virginia town to start their new life together. Almost immediately after their wedding, Perry made it clear that he expected Emma to keep a tidy house, do the wash, and cook. He also expected her to help with the strenuous work of building a farm. She'd been doing that at her parents' farm her whole life. She burned tobacco beds to prepare the soil for future growing, built fences, and mixed large batches of cement. I can imagine that Emma felt the familiar aches and pains of hard manual labor and quietly accepted that maybe things wouldn't be so different after all. According to Emma, just three months into their marriage, Perry drew blood in the first beating that he gave her. Perry would violently abuse Emma throughout their marriage, even when she was pregnant. 
The couple eventually had 11 children together. When Perry would escalate in his violence, Emma would sometimes be able to escape into the woods, finding peace and solace in nature. In 1924, Perry was convicted of manslaughter when he killed another man in a fight. He was ordered to pay restitution to the victim's wife, but the judge on the case suspended his sentence because he had so many children at home that needed a father. He also recognized that Perry had a farm to take care of. Perry, the murderer, was sent home to his defenseless wife and children. Emma's children began to grow up and move out of the house. Emma continued pouring everything that she had into the home and the farm. And Perry, feeling confident that he was untouchable by law, escalated his abuse of Emma. When Emma would try to reason with him, plead with him, he would threaten to have her committed to an insane asylum. The threat of sending her away from her children always seemed to keep her in line. Emma managed to escape from her marriage once, but her freedom didn't last long because she couldn't bear to be away from her kids. In 1939, when Emma was 52, Perry beat her so severely that he knocked out her teeth, broke her ribs, and nearly killed her. In self-defense, Emma threw a sack of flour at him. Perry called the police and had Emma arrested and thrown in jail. Emma was in such rough shape that the mayor of their town heard about it and came to visit her. When he saw Emma's face and listened to her account, he had her released and invited her into his home. Under his protection and with his support and assistance, Emma was able to file for divorce. She testified against her husband during the proceedings, and the judge not only granted the divorce, which was extremely rare at the time, he also ordered Perry to pay Emma alimony and awarded custody of the three children who were still minors to Emma. After 33 years of a nightmare marriage, Emma began to build a life for herself of peace, tranquility, and safety. Emma was strong and Emma was capable, and she quickly found work. She also worked on renovating a house and spent time writing poetry again, which was something that she hadn't done since she was a child. By 1951, all 11 of her children were grown and out on their own. Emma was still a reader, and one day she found a discarded copy of the August 1949 edition of National Geographic. In it was an article about Eric Schaefer, the first man to thru-hike the Appalachian Trail. The photos of the trail included with the article were breathtaking, and the description of the trail made it seem like a beautiful, long, easy walk in the woods. It described clean cabins along the path where hikers could sleep peacefully at night. The article also stated that all a hiker would need was normal good health and no special skills or training were required to walk the trail. Emma thought about all the work that she'd ever done, the hard physical labor of running a farm, and knew that a lot of people compared how hard she worked to men who also worked hard. She decided that if a man could through hike the trail, so could she. 
Emma traveled up to Maine, planning to hike south from Mount Katahdin. In July of 1954, when she was 66 years old, she set off. After a few days on the trail, Emma got lost. She broke her glasses, which she desperately needed to see, and ran out of the food that she had brought with her. She was rescued by a couple of park rangers, and they convinced her to go home. She agreed and decided that she needed a better plan and some prep work before she tried again. And she decided not to tell anyone about her failure until she had succeeded. And succeed she did. We talked about her finishing the trail at the beginning of this episode. But what we didn't talk about was a few days before she completed her hike, Emma fell and sprained her ankle, bruised her face, and broke her glasses again, just as she had on her first try. This time, though, she was so near the end that she just kept going. After 146 days of hiking, averaging 14 miles a day, Emma was successful. Sports Illustrated did a follow-up article on Emma and her hike. In it, she talked about the shabby condition of the trail and jokingly complained about the trail always leading you right up over the biggest rocks to the top of the biggest mountain. She was a guest on the Today Show, and a description of her accomplishment was entered into the Ohio Congressional Record. In 1957, Emma decided that it was time to hike the trail again. This time, she found the trail in much better condition. It seemed like the publicity that had surrounded her accomplishment had inspired local hiking clubs to clean and mark many sections of the trail. When she had completed her second through hike, she accepted many invitations to speak and share her stories with a lot of civic groups. She also had a special place in her heart for the Girl Scouts of America and for age members and loved to visit with them at their camps. When Emma turned 71, she started hearing about the 100-year anniversary, the centennial, of the Oregon Trail. She decided that if women 100 years previously could walk the trail, then she could do it too. The trip, 2,000 miles, from Independence, Missouri to Portland, Oregon, took her three months. She averaged 22 miles a day. Just had been the case before, she didn't tell anybody what her plans were. She never wanted to give anyone a chance to talk her out of her plans. When Emma arrived in Portland, everyone celebrated her accomplishment, and the day was called Grandma Gatewood Day. She was invited to go to Hollywood, where she had appearances on House Party with Art Linkletter and also on You Bet Your Life with Groucho Marx. When Emma was 76, she decided to spend some more time on the Appalachian Trail and completed the entire hike, but in sections this time. Still an impressive feat, this made Emma the first person to complete the trail three times. By this third hike, Emma was able to see firsthand that the publicity of her walks had promoted improvements of the trails. The trails were managed and in good repair, the shelters had been rebuilt, and everything was marked clearly. Having since returned to Ohio, 
Emma began a tradition of leading a six-mile hike through Hawkins Hills State Park in Ohio every January. She began this tradition in 1967 and would invite people to join her. For the last hike that she led, which was in January of 1973, more than 2,500 hikers showed up. Even though Emma was now in her 80s, she would spend over 10 hours a day cleaning and marking a 30-mile trail through Gallia County that would eventually connect to the Buckeye Trail. This hard physical work didn't phase Emma. She was able to be alone in quiet nature and make the trail easier for those who came after her. It felt a little bit like heaven. When Emma Gatewood died in June of 1973, she had walked more than 14,000 miles, which is more than halfway around the entire world. Emma also left a family of 66 descendants that included her 11 children, 24 grandchildren, 30 great-grandchildren, and one great-great-grandchild. Her grave marker says, Emma R. Gatewood, Grandma, which was the title that she was most proud of. Emma Gatewood inspired people across the country to try hiking in their own communities. As a woman over 60, she inspired a new demographic of people to through hiking, and many older women attempted and succeeded in their own adventures. The Appalachian Trail, since Emma's checks, has become much more inclusive of women. According to the Appalachian Trail Conservatory, in the first several decades of the trail's history, women represented only 15% of those who completed the trail. By 2018, women represent roughly a third of all those who complete it. I loved learning about Emma. I thought it was so amazing that she would just decide to do these things that no one else had seemed to do before her, and then she would just go off and do them. I know as people, we sometimes have sections of our brains that always challenge what we think we can accomplish. And it just seems like Emma wasn't born with that part of her brain that doubted her own abilities. I'm going to remember her next time that I want to take on a new task or a new project, and I'm trying to talk myself out of it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget to rate, review, and share with your friends. And I hope you enjoyed this month's topic of conservationist women. I want to say congratulations to Cranberry18 on Instagram. They are the winner of our giveaway this month. I will send you a message on Instagram so that we can send you your new book, Harriet's Ruffled Feathers, The Woman Who Saved Millions of Birds. Thank you to everyone who follows us on Instagram and who shares the podcast with their friends. Every share just warms my heart. Please make sure to subscribe on whatever platform that you're using so that you never miss an episode. Next month, despite my kids' pleas not to use the S word, and in this case, I mean school, we'll be talking about women educators. 
Some of my favorite people in this entire world are teachers, and I'm excited to research and share with you some of what I've read. I'll see you next week.